0: Right, we've had a big hour talking about, um, really on the back of the news, that Tom Robinson has been signed by Steve Hansen's uh, Toyota Verb Blitz. And is this a marker of uh, what's we've seen marquee players go to Japan. Now we're starting to see second-tier players. There's a lot of Kiwis over there. A lot of Kiwis over there. And a man that knows rugby as well as anyone in the world is former CEO of, well, New Zealand Rugby, the NRL, Wales, England Sport, the whole shebang, very well-credentialed, David Moffat. And he joins the show. G'day, David.
1: Uh, Good day, Stuffy. My first time on SINS, Looking forward to
0: it. Yeah, me too, mate. Me too. Very much so. Um, it was. I wouldn't say New Zealand was hit with shockwaves with Tom Robinson, but it wasn't met uh, famously like no one's. Pointing the finger at Tom for going, he's 29, he's had his injury and concussion issues and he's off to Japan to make some coin. I was just wondering, in, in your learned mind, the strategy of Japanese club rugby and the Japanese rugby union with overseas players. Um, we've seen the likes of Dan Carter, Bowden Barrett, Brady Ritalik, Ma Nonu a few years ago, marquee signings. Is that, I get the feeling that's changing.
1: It is. It's changing quite dramatically, actually. I I have quite a lot to do with Robbie Deans, who's up there coaching Saitama Wild Knights. and once again, they're doing very well. They're 13 a day. And you can only have three former test players playing um, in your squad, and you can only have four uh, overseas players playing in in your bigger squad for any game. But there are some teams that uh, are stacking their their, their overall squad with, with a lot more overseas players. And a lot of overseas players that um, are not at the back end of their career, The are players that you mentioned earlier. Mm. And the reason for that is that Japan's decided they want players to go and play in Japan who are committed to Japanese rugby. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to play for the Japanese national team, but quite often that does happen. Um, but the the game there has changed as well it 's no longer an easy ride up in Japan. I mean, if you were to speak to players that have been up there recently and come back it 's tough mm. it 's become a really tough competition and um, and in, it, with that comes the the need to have players of quality and players that have got quite a few years left in them and that 's why you 're seeing the guys like Tom Robinson go up there.
0: Yeah, but I felt like when it started happening with these marquees and New Zealand rugby labelled it sabbatical um, and players were getting a million dollars for a shortened season, etc. and they'd come back to New Zealand and they were off the boil for a while. If I was Japanese rugby, I would do exactly what you're intimating they are going to be doing. And I mentioned players non-All Blacks, haven't made the All Blacks, haven't made squads yet, but good young yep. players like, like Cam Roygaard, like Ruben Love, uh, like George Bell, the, these types of guys who are early 20s, um, that would be attractive to Japanese clubs. But what is Japanese rugby goal with these guys? Is it to make Japanese international players? Because I know... Um, they would probably would rather Japanese nationals play for their national team rather than imports that do a three-year naturalisation process. What, what do you think the squads will look like in the coming years?
1: Oh, I think they'll have some non-Japanese players in them or continue to do so. They're, I mean, and it's not just New Zealand players that are going up there. You, you may remember mm-hmm. um, who scored four tries against the, uh, against the All Blacks at Eden Park, his son is up there playing saitama wild Knights, and he's chosen to go and play there and i'm pretty sure he's in the japanese national team or if he's not he's very close to making it and so they are looking for players who are, who are going to commit to japan and they of course will will want to bring on um, japanese players i mean robbie dean's has had a lot of success by actually bringing on japanese players and they stand at the top of the table uh, and he's he 's got a slightly different philosophy, and that is that you can coach Japanese players to be really good rugby players, um, but you also need an influx of um, players that have that have you know been brought up in let 's say new zealand south africa or or Australia um, Not too many northern hemisphere players end up in Japan, but I think that 's about to change as well i 've noticed that a couple of Welsh players are going there. Welsh rugby is in such a dire strait at mm. the moment. Um, and and so, yeah, J- Japan rugby is is a real force to be reckoned with, actually, in the professional
0: game. I, I opened the show, David, we're talking to David Moffat at the moment, um, <clears throat> about Steve Hansen's reaction when he was All Black coach, his reaction when Brad Shields left, Charles Piatow left, Stephen Luatua left, and to paraphrase all of his quotes around that he was really disappointed that they turned their back to New Zealand rugby, and he was particularly disappointed with the Stephen Lua Tour one because he went to Pat Lamb, and Pat Lamb's a former New Zealander, and he thought that was a little bit disingenuous, but now we find Steve Hansen doing exactly the yeah. same thing.
1: Needs must, mate. I mean, Toyota are not travelling that well at the moment. Um, they're mid-table and likely to miss out on the playoffs. So... Uh, you know they 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 are um, results oriented up there just as well as anywhere else in professional sport so he's obviously looking at um, trying to bolster his squad it's a different attitude to the one that that Robbie Deans takes where he's much more concentrating on you know bringing through Japanese players and having a lot of success but other other teams also having a success and I think we'll see more of it Um, and it's a professional sport, so mm. whilst I think it's it's one thing to point the finger at Hansen and say, "Well, this is what you said and this is what you're doing now." Well, he's moved on, um, and the reality is that results count. And you know, I think we've seen that with uh, with Fozzy, although he was treated terribly by New Zealand rugby. End of the day, though, it's results that count. <laughs>
0: Should New Zealand rugby fans be concerned? We've had a few texts and calls into the show saying we've got depth. If players want to go, they can go, and we'll we'll fill it. Can that keep going? Is there a concern? Is this good for New Zealand rugby? What's happening at the moment?
1: No, No, it's not good because it affects every every tier of New Zealand rugby. Um, You know, from clubs all the way up. You know, and we have a look now. For example, the All Blacks never play NPC, and that and that's degraded the NPC. They never play, well, they play, obviously, in Super Rugby, but a lot of them, um, you know, they, they start late in Super Rugby. And if those play, that's my biggest concern, is that the more that players go, it's not so much the All Blacks, um, but it's those players that are playing Super Rugby. And the more of those players that go, the, uh, the, the more it's going to affect Super Rugby. And I don't think we have a conveyor belt any longer, to the extent that we used to in the past. Uh, because um, of a variety of reasons. But, you know, it it is a concern. When we started Super Rugby back in 1995, 96, and I was at the very beginning of all of that, we actually used to have conversations about how could we not affect club rugby Mm. as much with Super Rugby. Um, And, of course, that changed. I went to 18 teams. I went to, you know, playing over an extended period of time. So club rugby completely got washed away by super rugby and that's pretty much happened with the npc Now, the npc for example in australia they're the npc they're very envious of it because what it does is it brings the players up through another level and if if all these players are going to be going that is the area and there's one other thing too that i'd like to mention and that is the drain of coaches the number of coaches coaching overseas um, who could actually be in the all, all black coaching frame you know in future years uh, is is massive and and you can 't lose all those good coaches I mean the last, you know Razor's has just been appointed and i 've and I've always thought that was a good idea to appoint him, but outside of that, you only had um, Jamie Joseph was the only other applicant mm. all the others are overseas or they didn 't want to coach for whatever reason the all blacks. So, you know, the question is, um, you know, if Razor and Jamie Joseph weren't in the front, where are the other coaches coming through in New Zealand? They're all overseas, a lot of these good young coaches. And they're going over there because they don't really see, you know, they can get a lot more money over there. Just the same as the players. I'm sure uh, that, you know, players are going to Japan Uh, for the money, and it's a great experience, but but the money that they're offering will be the major attraction.
0: How do we keep the coaches in New Zealand, given that we've got an all-black coach and his assistants and we've got five super teams um, Mm -hmm. and all of the MPC teams and um, there's there's coaches all around the world, as you say, New Zealanders that would be amazing back at MPC level. Is it is it finances? We just haven't got the money to to afford to keep them here.
1: Yep, absolutely. That's what professional sport is all about. It's about money. It's really not about anything else, you know. And when players leave, and you've just seen Sue Ali um, go from you know only having been in the NRL for two years, signing with Rugby Australia for four point eight million dollars. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's money. It's just money. It's got nothing to do with You know the love of the game, and no matter what they might say, and you don't blame them because it's a professional sport. Nobody knows how long their career is likely to be, so you know they've got to go for the money, and the money is big in Europe, and it's big in Japan. Uh, And um, you know if it if it comes to an all-out fight, then we're not going to do very well. The, The the great thing still about New Zealand is the black jersey. You know, so many kids want to be able to pull that on, and you know, and when they get it, you know, they're most likely sleep in it. The very first night they get awarded their their black jersey. I don't know how long um, that is that that's that's able to last in this new world of consumerism. Is there
0: is there too much rugby, David? Like in a small country like New Zealand, we have school, club, Heartland, yeah. NPC, Super. International. It's a lot of levels.
1: It is, but it is what has actually um, stood New Zealand in really good stead in identifying and bringing through new talent. Professional rugby players um, uh, are not born, you know, they don't just turn up one day and say, Here I am, I want to be, they're made. And where are they made? They're made in the junior clubs, they're made in, in the senior clubs, they're made in coming through the NPC. Some of them, you know, who go into academies, I think unfortunately miss out on that. You know, so I think there's some players have never ever played for a club. Certainly that would be the case we in, in Australia, talking to Robbie this morning. Um and he you know, and, and he thinks that, that that they miss out on that. Real grassroots approach to everything, and, and I think that's, a, that's an un, unintended con, consequence of professional rugby, where a lot of these players, young players, they go into an academy, they don't play very much, um, they, get, they get given everything, they don't really have to fight for anything, and they would most likely do them good to go back to club rugby and start play, and play some really good, hard club rugby. and I think that's why club rugby is so important. All the levels of rugby in New Zealand are what we give, give us that edge. And unfortunately, we're losing so many players to overseas. So I think that we're starting to miss that.
0: So, what do we have to turn around, David? Like, um, Attendances are down at Super Rugby. There were four games in New Zealand last weekend and more people went to the Dolphins-Broncos game in Brisbane than all four Super Rugby games in New Zealand here and it is our number one sport. Uh, NPC numbers are dwindling as well. Viewership numbers are dwindling. We're losing players overseas. You've already highlighted the coaches overseas. Uh, So much intellectual property over there. Do we have to... Um, central or, or just narrow the field do we need less teams <laughs> do we need to do something really radical
1: well i don't think any of the rugby unions around the world are into radical you know that's a problem mm. um you know Utah, i mean my understanding is that basketball is now a bigger participation sport than rugby in new zealand it is and when i tell people that from overseas they're flabbergasted that that could have happened but it has happened And for a whole lot of reasons, the game at the moment, the way it's played in most countries, not New Zealand, but most countries is atrocious to watch. I wouldn't like to play it and I certainly wouldn't like to referee it as a former referee. (laughs) And what they, what, and what what rugby has forgotten is especially at the, at the um, professional level, what business are they in? They're not in rugby. They're in the entertainment business. Mm. And the entertainment has gone out of rugby, so people are saying, "I'm not going to go and watch that again." Bash kick, bash kick, bash kick. It's like unlimited rugby league, you know, unlimited tackled rugby league, whereas it used to be in the 60s. So you know, people want to be entertained. They've got a very short, you know, attention span. And that is one of the things that I think uh, where New Zealand is missing out. We never hear from the chief executive that he never comes out and tells us, you know, what the plans are, what they're doing, what his vision is for the future. Nobody knows. And people are being turned off by that. Uh, and so, you know, there's some fundamental issues that have got to be addressed. They're not easy to address, by the way, because times they um, have been a changing for a long time. But if you don't understand that you're in the entertainment industry and you'd better start entertaining people, then you'll lose them.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You, you touched on Mark Robinson, CEO of New Zealand Rugby.
1: In your, mm.
0: If you had the CEO hat on now, what or, or even back then, what was your approach to communication with media, oh. with public, et cetera?
1: Well, if you rang me up for an interview, I'd do it straight away because mm. I, cause I loved it, you know. Um, and I guess that's why radio stations like yourselves and others um, You know get me on because what they'll know I'll have something to say it might or might not be interesting But I'll at least have something to say I'm available to have something to say and I'm passionate about New Zealand rugby And and I will you know, and I will speak truthfully uh, and and that's what, really what you guys want in the media, you, you you don't want all these, you know, I've got three must-says, and I'm never going to get off those, and and those must-says are going to be we're really nothing. You know, you're in the entertainment business. Mm. Rugby's in the entertainment business, but they don't seem, and this Robinson guy doesn't seem to understand that. He's got to get out there and communicate with the fans. Otherwise, they'll go, Ah, oh, you know, what the hell? I mean, a number of people I speak to now say, well, they just can't be bothered. You know and that, and that is that is a very quick massive change when you take the, re, the 2019 rugby world cup result nobody cared you know really nobody cared oh yeah so you know we lost well so what whereas you know just a few years before that you know all hell would break loose how dare we lose etc etc but that's gone
0: It's interesting you mention that actually, because if I get the, I can get the CEO of the Warriors in ten minutes. I can get CEO of New Zealand basketball, biggest participation sport. I can get him in five minutes. But Mark Robinson two weeks ago said he'd come on with me two weeks after Scott Robertson, or after the next All Black coach was named, told me a couple of things that might be happening in June but not ready to announce it yet. And I said, why don't you tell people what you're thinking? What, what are you working towards, this global rugby calendar that apparently there's a meeting in June and they feel like it might get across the line even though it's been talked about for 100 years? Why don't you take us on that journey? Oh, it's too early to talk about it. But I feel like there's a lack of involvement from the top with media, um, because the the media is the only way that people that were in your position are in Mark Robinson's position can talk to the public.
1: Absolutely, and and how many sports get an opportunity to actually get on to your show and other shows um, free of charge, mm. right? And 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 tell everybody about their sport. Mm. I mean, there would be there would be sports out there who who would pay to be able to do that. Yet with rugby. I mean, Rugby League, for example, in Sydney, the back 10 pages of the, of the Daily Telegraph, are Rugby League, um, and, uh, you know, that's an incredible amount of free advertising that you get, mm. and you guys, you, you know, if you go on, on your show, that's free advertising, so why wouldn't you go on, honestly, I get so frustrated. Uh, you know, if you don't like doing media or you can't because you're incompetent or whatever it is, get somebody on there who can mm. get somebody on there who can give you a story, which you then actually let all of the fans know. And uh, but they won't do it. You know, they seem to think that it's, uh, oh, we've got to keep everything secret. And, you know, why should we tell the fans what's going on? Well, the fans pay their wages, whichever way you look at it. The fans are the most important thing that you've got because they either they either um, subscribe to Sky or to your show or to other shows or they buy newspapers or all that sort of stuff. The fans are keeping this sport alive and yet they treat the fans in New Zealand with disdain
0: bang on, bang on. And it's like when I have had the opportunity a couple of times to talk to someone and I said, you know, you, the fans are saying this, the public are saying this, and they say, look, they say, look, the fans, they're passionate and we really like that, but, you know, we, we know what we're doing. And so they dismiss the fans' yeah, yeah. passion as misguided, but it's not, it's the foundation of the game.
1: It is, absolutely, just like... Um, you know juniors and club rugby is the foundation of the game it all builds from there and if you haven't got a strong base you haven't got a strong top you know and and they don't seem to understand that mm. uh, and it and it's and it's very very disappointing to be perfectly honest with you to see what what's happening um, and uh, you know there's, as you said in your show there's this great debate about whether New Zealand rugby is going to be able to hold the hold the line of you've got to play in New Zealand to play for New Zealand now um, I've always been an advocate for that right from the very first time we we went professional we put that in place But even now, you know that, that that's relaxed when these players go go offshore for their sabbaticals You know they go over there and then they come back. I mean Matt Todd was an example where you know, he, he was playing, uh, I think he was playing for, um, Robbie Dean's team. Mm. New Zealand went through there on their way to Europe and, um, and they needed Matt Todd. And so they, they actually, um, put him in the team and off they went. So it's happened before when needs must. And, and I, and I just, I worry because it's happened in Australia and it's happened in, um, new, uh, South Africa. To a much greater extent than anywhere else, and I and I just I just don't think that it's feasible that they're going to be able to hang on forever to the allure of the black jersey, which is huge. Don't get me wrong; I'm in awe of the All Blacks. Always have been, um, but you know whether whether that's going to be enough of a draw when you're looking at huge financial differences I don't
0: know Mm. David um, we're out of time I could talk to you all day so we're definitely going to keep your number and we'll stay in touch I really appreciate your input today
1: okay mate thank you thanks for having me on
0: there he is David Moffat former CEO of New Zealand Rugby with uh, a lot of very good well thought out opinions we'll take a break we'll come back